superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Unique Ngakwe right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. I'm asking for a favor. Just next time say, hey, Maxwell, what's going on? See what he says. I got that in the notebook. The Rich Eisen Show. I hope one day I get to hang Sorry, out Colts with fans. Matt Ryan and we can have a real conversation about the Matt Ryan. <laughs> Let's do it. And how much he hates it. Earlier on the show from NBC Sports, Peter King. Coming up, Mets manager Buck Showalter. Actor Josh Charles. Plus, your phone calls, latest news, and more. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Hour number three of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. As soon as we're done, we're heading to New York City for the sports Emmys tomorrow night, where we'll hopefully we'll pick up uh, a trophy for Best Studio Show Daily. We're honored to be nominated, and we'll put a little bit more meat on that uh, later on uh, in this third hour. Josh Charles, the actor, um, who is uh, dynamite in everything that he does. He'll be joining us in about 20 minutes' time uh, on the program. Earlier, uh, TJ, you brought up the fact that I clapped back at someone on Twitter who oh, told yeah. me to stick to the NFL when I was talking about the NBA. And, and essentially I said, out, I will not. Well, I, well, I did. As I responded, <laughs> I retweeted with a, a, a photograph of me from the, the Last Dance documentary mm-hmm. where I was sitting on the Sports Center set in 1997 talking about the Bulls. Yes. Um, because, you know, I spent seven years at ESPN before I was on NFL Network. And that's not the only, you know, <laughs> lane that I can get in outside of the NFL. Did you know I was the first ever voice of Major League Baseball on ESPN Radio? I was the first ever studio host on ESPN Radio to welcome people to Major League Baseball's coverage when they got that package. I believe you did. Uh, I spent seven years covering the, uh, the sport that I, uh, I love very much called baseball. So that's um, also your yes. lane. I went to the World Series almost every damn year because of that. Uh, for either SportsCenter or ESPN Radio. And one of those years, uh, 2001, Yankees versus the Diamondbacks, is where I, I met this man who I, I was thrilled to work with because he was so terrific as manager of the New York Yankees. Um, and then he was a manager of the Diamondbacks. And then I got to work this World Series with him, got to know him, got to travel around the country with him, got to go through airport security with him. <laughs> and so when I heard the rumor was that the Mets were thinking of hiring him, what'd I say? What'd I say? What'd I say? They should do it. They should do that. And they did. They should do that. They should do that. <laughs> that's right. I sounded like Chance the Rapper, right? That's, that's what it basically uh, I said right there. You should do that. That's what I did. And the Mets did that. And look at them now. Look at us, man. Look, look at them at now. Us. They're in the midst of a fantastic start for your New York Metropolitans. And that's my way of, that's the wind-up. Now, here's a very Luis Tiant-type wind-up. Here's the pitch. Joining us on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line on his birthday, no doubt, is the manager of the New York Mets, Buck Showalter. How you doing, Buck? 
Hi, Richard. It's kind of sad, isn't it? A man doesn't have anything else to do on his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. no, I would say. No. I would say. No. I would say the opposite. I would say this is a very special day and a special way to spend it. Don't you think, Buck? Hey, it beats the all. It beats the alternative. <laughs> no, we're not getting out of this alive, Rich. Oh man! Not a game you win. You know, you learn a lot about a guy at midnight on a set with an empty Yankee stadium, and it's about what was it? About thirty-five, forty degrees. It was freezing. That is correct, sir. It, you do learn a lot you, you of. Had a, you had an overcoat. That, that was special. I learned something from you that you, know, you actually <laughs> should look at the weather. <laughs> Also going through airport security uh, in, in that day yeah. and age as well. Uh, that was great. Hey, uh, Buck, I'm so, I'm so thrilled you're 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 uh, back as a skipper in New York City. You're so awesome at it. I'm wondering what your thoughts were when you had that opportunity placed in front of you and uh, what you're doing with it, Buck. Well, yeah, it's an honor. Anytime, you know, there's not a day goes by, Rich. I don't realize how lucky I am to, you know, to be a allowed to, to be around these guys in a, in a great organization that's, uh, you know, really moving forward with for a lot of reasons. And, uh, you know, great ownership and there's the great leadership in the front office with Billy Epler and his group there. You know, just so many things. The only thing I have to worry about is just managing the team. And obviously that's a full-fledged job. And, uh, you know, there, there's just a lot of good energy now. We understand we've only played, what, 43 games. There's an eternity left. But, uh you know, it's, it's good to, you always like to have people, you know, feel good. Uh, we know there's going to be some bumps along the way, and, you know, there already have been as far as some, some injuries and stuff. But, you know, people are happy you, you know, they don't want to hear about your problems, and they're happy that you got them. That's like complaining about playing a day game after a night game or a doubleheader. Trust me, there's a lot of people out there, you know, don't want to hear about you staying in a nice hotel and flying on a charter plane and getting in at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. I mean, spare me. It's a great way to make a living, and um, you know, I'm just trying to stay out of the way. And we got some good players that uh, that care, and that's what I'll say about them. And they're fun to be around. So um, I imagine uh, one of those guys would be Pete Alonso, who I've gotten to interview on this program, and he's just so dynamite. Uh, you've been around. Uh, I mentioned New York City and what it takes to succeed there. Why do you think it works so well for Pete Alonso? Buck, no. I think Pete's just—he's just so sincere. Rich. He's just—you know—he's the same guy every day. He walks through the door. I mean, think about—you know—the things that he's gone through already this year. He's—I think people miss how strong mentally he is. I mean, the guy flips his car three times. I mean, can you imagine as you're spinning around, your wife's at the red light behind you. They're making the move to spring training. And uh, I thank God. I, I was kidding him later when it calmed down. I said, "How'd you feel about doing those leg presses in the off season?" Because he basically leg pressed the windshield out to get out and then he comes over to the ballpark and then who knows a while later he's hitting the, the face with a baseball and then hitting the shoulder and hit again and i mean i don't think sometimes we understand the intestinal fortitude it takes for these guys to climb in the boxes today with a slick ball in cold weather and guys a lot of times they're not intentional most times they're not intentional and just they can't command the fastball and they're throwing 95 to 100 miles an hour and you know, Pete just keeps climbing in there and competing. He, uh, when he collides with a ball, it does special things. Yeah, and he just he he does seem to have the mentality where um, a fan base places so much into him um, and on his shoulders. He seems to handle it like it's nobody's business. Buck. Well, I think he I think he understands like a lot of guys, and it's a good example. It's a responsibility. 
when you're doing something that's so important to a big fan base like ours is, I mean, it's part of your responsibility. They, they, you know, it's like I tell guys about autographs. When you have to worry is when they quit asking. <laughs> okay, when your opinion doesn't mean something, and and uh, Pete's, you know, he doesn't want to do it necessarily, but it, he looks at it as part of his responsibility. You know, you're getting fourth for the New York Mets. You're going to be asked questions, and I think he handles it well. And what comes across, Rich, is he's just he's just sincere. There's not any phoniness about Pete, and he's approachable every day by me. You know, uh, regardless of what happened the night before, and and I tell you, the thing, Pete's looking for a weakness. If he's got one, he's going to attack it. You know, he's going to attack it. He he's not a guy that says, well, you know, I hit well and back with the rest of the stuff. He wants to be a good base runner. He wants to be a great first baseman. He's made. You know, he's done well over there. He just he wants to be good at everything. Folks, Show Walter, manager of the Mets here on the Rich Eisen Show. You mentioned uh, problems, if you will. Um, what what can you tell me about Degrom and now uh, Scherzer's status moving forward, Buck? Well, we you know obviously I know a lot more than I let on, but I uh, you know you got to be careful about telling truths that hurt innocent people. But that doesn't mean you lie. You just try to hold on to some things that. You know, you got to be careful about setting deadlines, and all of a sudden they don't reach it, and it looks like they're behind schedule, they're ahead schedule. You know, uh, I think around the All Star break we'll start getting uh, a lot of these guys back. You know, we lost Trevor May, one of our key guys in the bullpen. Uh, I'm, I'm just mentally thinking about uh, around the All Star break, and it doesn't happen. You, you know, one of the great things that you have to do as a front office and the coaching staff is think about the what ifs. Okay, what if Lindor is out for a month? What if uh, DeGrom doesn't pitch for a while. You know, the season doesn't start. They don't stop the wheel and go, okay, we'll wait till the Mets get everybody back. And everybody's got issues, uh, Rich. You know, you could, you know, you go to another club and you don't compare theirs as more than ours. You got a game tonight at 645 and they don't care. And, uh, but it's also part of the gig here. You play a sport that you play seven days a week for seven months or whatever it is to roll the dice in October if you can get there. And uh, it's part of the gig, being able to overcome this stuff. And you've, you're, you're used to, again, managing in New York, Buck Schulter, uh for an owner who is um, seemingly demanding, um, has a ton of money, and wants to win. Uh, is there any similarity at all between Steve Cohen and George M. Steinbrenner III, Buck Showalter? Oh, they want to win. You know, uh, I, uh, you know Steve's a guy that uh, you know, eliminates excuses. And I love that about him. You know, if you know if you think something's important, uh, I know he and his wife it was very important to them to to have one of the best family rooms in, in, in sports, and they went about doing that to make it a place where you know families and and people are comfortable. Things like that, the little things that really create a great uh, karma around an organization. And uh, you know, he doesn't. You know, he likes it when the Mets win. So do I. You know, a lot of people would love to have a. You know, all owners want to win. You know, but uh, Steve, um, uh, it's important to him that the New York Mets be good. And that's a short conversation. I'm in. So, um, and I know you, you definitely didn't want to spend your birthday talking about the man signing the check. So I can, uh, you know, but I just, <laughs> it's just, it's it, uh, there's not many people on planet Earth who, uh, you know, managed for George and now is back in New York City for the other team, you know, or the Yankees, the other team. And you're on another, I, I mean. There's not many people. What Tory did it right. That's that's about it. I don't know who else do Yogi, right? I mean, I, I don't know who else. It's a very short list, Buck. You know, it's kind of interesting. Well, th- there's a reason why. 
<laughs> Why is that? No, yeah. no, it, it's a, a you know because most of us aren't as old, but he, yeah. you know, Steve's been great I mean, since day one. I mean, um, you know, he owns a club and he, he can do whatever. You know, all the little things, the peripheral things that can, you know, he eliminates those uh, uh, the things that sometimes challenge the organization behind the scenes, and uh, he just expects a, a return for you know the. Uh, emotional and and financial investment i mean you know he cares it's important and he and he likes sports and baseball he likes it you can tell and it's energizes the club when he's around we like having him around he you know he knows the players he knows uh, what the end game needs to be and and we share that and so does billy epler and, and all our front office it's a you know the, the challenges are going to be when when you go through some some tough spells which we which we will we already have but you don't wall around in self-pity. And, uh, you know, it's like I tell the coaching staff and the players, this is our your, your time to shine when you have some challenges along the way. Three-time manager of the year, Buck Showalter here on the Rich Eisen Show. So my birthday present to you is I'm going to wave a wand and make you commissioner of the sport. You get to make a rule change. Oh, oh don't get me in any more trouble. No, no, no. You get to make a, you get to make a rule change uh-huh. uh, because um, baseball, well, I think, like is in need of one. I think it's a need of one. I was on that competition committee. Okay. And I don't know if I am anymore. Where you know what I did find out is a lot of things. Why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? And then you realize they've been doing studies and spending money on looking at it for two or three years. And you go, oh, okay. And then they tell you reasons why it's a little bit of a challenge, and they're trying to, you know, uh, look at things in the minor leagues. I mean all the things that we bring up, why don't they do that? I can tell you a reason, and I can tell you that they've been looking at it for two or three years. It gave me a lot of confidence in the procedure, but, uh, you know, it's a very precious game that you have to be careful with. You know, to answer your question, you know, I think you're going to see the pitch clock come in. Uh, I think you're going to see a real hard look at the shifts, whether we can go two on each side. Right. I, I think that's going to probably be seen. Would you like that, Buck? Would you like that? To change I think the pitch clock. I, I, I think the thing that I, I worry about is not necessarily the length of the game, but the tempo and rhythm Correct. of being played. Action. You know, it, it, right. You know, it's just, and I think you're going to see a different pitching. You're going to see different pitching when guys are, are asked to deliver the ball in X seconds. And let's face it, two weeks, everybody will be complaining. The umpires will be the bad guys. And then everybody will get in line. Uh, you know, they call a ball uh, on a pitcher to make it ball four, or they call a strike on someone for strike three. You know, people will be outraged, and then all of a sudden, everybody will fall in line, and we'll figure out maybe why we, do we wait this long? Could you imagine having, you know, an NFL game without replay? I mean, it's actually part of the entertainment package in, in, uh, in a lot of sports. Right. Um, you know, we look back on a lot of things. Why did we wait so long? You know, I think they're really strongly considering the, the automatic strike zone. Mm. That's a real deep debate. Um, you know, we have so many things that can make the game. Uh, reliable in every form. You know, I kind of miss sometimes the human element, uh, but not when it goes against you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I think it's the shift, Buck, that needs to be changed because you're talking about tempo and pace of play and action. The shift takes away too many hits. The shift makes people try to hit over it and thus miss the baseball. The shift, I think, yeah, is the think, cause of all of it, personally. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to look at middle infielders differently. You're not going to get that big second baseman that you put out in right field, they're going to have to have a different athleticism to them. You're going to see a different, I think some different players come in to play more. Huh. Um, okay. And I, I think, I think it, I'm a little concerned about, 
if pitchers are chasing this velocity, which they all are, and they need a long period of time to, to gather to throw their best torque pitch, I worry a little bit physically with it, uh, but I think guys will fall on. I think you'll, you might see more guys uh, more interested in command than velocity. I think it'll bring some other pitchers into play that, that weren't. But I do, you know, I think it's coming whether we want it or not, and I think most people do. But there'll be some periods where people will question it, and that's part of it. So how we make good decisions when we go, what if, what if this, what if that? You know, can you put your outfielders in the infielder, infield and out? There's a lot of questions. Where's the line of demarcation where guys have to play on? Can they move while the pitch is coming? You know, there's a lot of, you know, managers have a way of kind of bending the rules. One thing I do miss with so much on replay, there's not much arguing with umpires much anymore. Well, I mean, yeah, and 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 the fact that the umps have to explain themselves on what the rulings are, like like hey, every other sport. Guys, Rich, hey, these poor guys. We go to home play every night. They're wired up. They've got wires. They've got microphones. They've got yeah. uh, beepers. They, these poor guys. It must take. I was kidding yesterday to, to the guy to. Uh, you know, it must take you. He said it takes me about half an hour to get dressed to come out to the game now. They got a tough job. They have a tough job. Are you trying to get a call through the Rich Eisen show, Buck? Is that what you're trying to do? You're trying yeah. to get a call tonight through, through by buttering them up through through my program? Is that what you're trying to? Because if that's yeah. the case, I'm fine with that. You know, you never lie on your birthday. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Buck Showalter. I miss chatting with you. I'd love to do this more often. You be well. Oh, hey, you're doing well out there. People like your show. It Thank you. Surprise me. <laughs> I said it doesn't surprise me. Oh, 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 I just dropped out. Your call dropped out. Okay. I sat out there for a second. I sat out there for a second. Just make sure your wife stays on the show. She's a big draw. I will do that, Buck. You got it. She'll love to hear that. And, uh, you know, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Skip. Take care. All right. God bless you guys. Thanks for having me, Rich. Any, Take care of yourself. You're the best, Buck Showalter. There you go. Buck Showalter. <laughs> I told you, didn't I tell you? I, I man, told you. I, I told you. I'm like, wait a minute. They can get Buck? I love it. Do it. I love it. Can't say it enough. And he handles everything well. Man, and, you know, and when we were getting hit because earlier in the year. I know more than I'm about to tell you. <laughs> which I love that fact. And when we were getting hit earlier in the year, there was a lot of hit by pitches going on. And the fact that Buck was just the first guy on the oh. top step. He was ready to, oh, to well, hit the field first. Th- and He can throw back at you, too. Man, it's is, this is so much fun right He's now. He's old school, brother. 66 today, Buck Showalter. Eight games up on the Braves and Phillies. Woo! And our two best players are not playing. Baseball. And by the way, the uh, his uh, his other first baseman from back in the day is uh, only a half game behind the Phillies and the the Braves right now. You imagine that you were you 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 manage the Yankees and the Mets, and your first baseman are Don Mattingly and and Pete Alonso. Pretty good, not bad, right? Handled. Not bad. <laughs> not bad. Those positions are handled. How about that? God, I love that guy. All right, let's take a break. Another man who I uh, I dearly love. We own this city. It's about Balmer, his hometown. And he's in a David Simon show, and hopefully he won't use the language. Coming up next on The Rich Eisen Show, Josh Charles. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast. 
part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. We're back here on the Rich Eisen Show. I love this man. I don't care who knows it. And I'm not just saying because he's on the, the phone line about to join us. Um, we Own This City airs Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern on HBO and HBO Max. You can catch a new episode tonight in the finale next Monday. If there's anybody who's built for acting in a show about the city of Baltimore and written by David Simon, who, as we know, is an expert on that city, um, it's this man. Um, and I say that even though he plays a real rat bastard on this program, he is our friend on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line, Josh Charles. How are you, Josh? How's that for an Rich, intro? Uh, just the, 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 you had me giggling, the Rich Garcia intro. Oh, God, <laughs> that brings back some real memories. You know what really, I don't know if we talked about this on your show before, you know what really pissed people in Baltimore off about that? About the Jeffrey Mayor? And, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I mean, and yes, and I, I mean, I, I could say this to you. I think maybe as, as some time and distance has, has gone by, we can look at it. Clearly, that was interference, right? Yes. Umpires make mistakes. Yes. Garcia was right there. If you listen to John Miller's call, if you go back and listen to John Miller's call on the radio, John Miller, yes, he has the monitor in front of him, but from the booth, calls it immediately. Right, immediately what happened. Yet Richie Garcia, who's five feet from Tony Tarasco, misses it. That's bad enough. Could have changed the dynamic of that series. We had a great team that year. But what really pissed people off was the, was the next game back in Baltimore. This mofo was out there signing autographs on the third base side, and that did not sit well with people. You know, you're referring you're you're referring to a child as as that, uh, and I appreciate you cleaning it up. No, I, I I remember what upset me as a Yankee fan, Josh, was how he was put as a uh, on the back and front pages Jeffrey Mayer as a hero, and it's just like no no no, uh, I, I was upset about that. And by the way, no wait 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 oh, wait wait I'm sorry to interrupt you. I, no, I'm not talking that he was there signing off. I'm saying Rich Garcia was signing autographs no, for his game. I haven't heard that. Third, yes. On the third baseline. That's why I'm not 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 mayor, whatever his deal is. <laughs> I could care less about him. I really could. I'm talking about Rich uh, Garcia. You blew a call that changed the game, potentially had a great effect on a series, and you're you're in the hometown of the team that you blew it for, signing autographs for Yankees fans pregame, smiling and yupping it up. No. He lost me then. No. I hate that guy. Dude, Absolutely hate and by the way, as for the John Miller call, and Orioles fans know John Miller before John even did um, Sunday Night Baseball and now the voice of the Giants um, in San Francisco. The best. Uh, honestly, he is up there in my mind with Vince Scully. And um, that call that you're referring to, if, if anybody can go Google it, it is perfection. He's just like a fan leans uh, – I'm paraphrasing it. The fan leans over – Mm-hmm. And interferes with it and makes a catch, and they're calling it a home run. That's what he said in real time. He leans over. He stole the ball. 
ball from Tony Tarasco, the fan lead. I mean, he called Nick, it right. And away. they're calling it a home run. It really was. And and by the way, I think he was doing that game for ESPN Radio. He was that wasn't a local homer call, if I'm not mistaken, um, because really? he. What, what really? Yeah, I believe so. I, be, I right. I don't really remember that. I just he's I, the best. That would surprise me, but it's possible. I mean, I don't know. What are you going to do? You know. We're, we're listen. We've, we've got some some num, nice young bucks coming up. In the Orioles. It's a new time. I miss Buck dearly, living here in New York and watching what he's doing with the Mets, and feel so jealous of all those fans that get to suck up all that Buck energy. You hear his quote about he changed his, you know, his his ways or whatever it was, or GPS in his car. Oh, I forgot to ask him the question. From, right? It had a British accent. He said it sounded too smug and annoying, so he changed it to like uh, what was it? Was it Cookie Monster or something like that? He changed to something else. Where he was like, "How can you be mad at this?" I Never love that guy. I do too. And, and it's interesting, Josh Charles, that you know, um, again, you're such a mild mannered, um, you know, normal dude. Uh, though the 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 Baltimore Yankee hate still still um, is there. I saw this on Twitter this week, um, this weekend, as a matter of fact, that. Again, uh, Adley Rutschman, one of those new Orioles that you're talking about, young Orioles, getting the number 35, Buster Olney of ESPN, talking about how that's just a reminder that the Orioles still have not retired the number of Hall of Famer Mike Messina. We have the tweet up on the screen right now, Josh. It says, I have no problem with them, meaning the Orioles not retiring Messina's 35. Let the Yankees retire his damn number, says Josh Charles. Look at you, man. Show me the lie. Show me the lie. Show me what's not truthful about that. I stand by that 100%. Listen, we can criticize the Orioles organization, you know, for a lot of mistakes they've made along the way. We've yes. had some good years. There's been a lot. This is not one of them at all in any way, shape, or form. The dude, when he, when he, when he got in the Hall of Fame, what, what hat was he wearing? Well, maybe somebody paid him. I don't know. I got yeah, he you. He was wearing a New York Yankees hat. So let the damn Yankees then. Let your best buddy, the Yankees, who you went you know, off and you, 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 you left us for. Go let them let them no, put you I, in the ring of honor. No, I, 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 and I know you're honor. I know you're a Broadway actor and you've trotted the boards. But I assume when you put "damn" in front of Yankees, you're not referring to the play and the musical, right? You're just you, <laughs> no. You're, and by the way, yes, it's weird now. And I don't know. I say this not because you're my good friend, but it's true. Yes. My my hatred of the Yankees has has dissipated slightly. It's weird. I, I need it back. And maybe part of it's just been the lack of a real rivalry. We just get stomped by you guys almost every time we play you. No. Maybe that'll change. But my, my hatred is now shifted towards the Red Sox. I really don't like the Red Sox. What, I mean, have, we done, what have we done to you, Josh? Uh-oh, now the mass hole's been triggered. Come he was on, about to jump go. in. I, was, I thought we were friends with our hatred of the Yankees. He was about to jump in with you by saying the reason why you don't hate the Yankees is because they haven't won anything in a long time. He was about to jump in saying that. Well, I'm going to tell you. No, here's the thing. Yes. I, I, the, <laughs> the reason the Red Sox bother me is because... Growing up and going to games in Baltimore, there were always Yankee fans there. Even when they weren't great or whatever, they would come down to Baltimore. Not quite as much as once Camden opened, which was a sight for everybody to see. Yes. And I would say until the Red Sox started winning, there was never any Red Sox fans that came down to Baltimore. Now they win a World Series. When I, I rooted four. for them in that series, four. I was happy they won that series. Four. But they've, they've blown all of my goodwill over the years by just their fans coming down, acting like they've been there the whole time. When you're not, you're front-running, you're jumping up once the team wow. started playing well. You weren't here, and you weren't there when yes. they, they they weren't coming to Baltimore. Get, get out of here. Go back up the Amtrak is what he's saying. Go take your Acela and go home. 
Yeah. That's Come what on, Jim- man. Go back up there, man. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very good Baltimore accent. Josh Charles, right here on the Rich Eisen Show. I'll stop that conversation before Brockman gets even more pissed off. I know. I, come it's on, okay. Chris. You know I'm just messing. I know. I'm, I, I'm so, just like, I, I'm more great. fired up about the basketball right now. It, it's it's me, hey, Josh, it's May still, right? Oh, it's God, May stop still? it. Who cares? It's May still? Who cares? The Yankees yeah, got off to a great start. Here's you got yourself in. I'm, I'm actually, what I'm excited about right now mm-hmm. is I'm excited about some Canadian playoff provincial hatred hockey this calgary yes. um edmonton series has got me all worked up i love it i'm here for i'm here for canadians fighting each other i love it, I love it man mcdavid to kane all day long that was a sick game last night mcdavid's on another level man. he another is level. you can't knock him off the puck you can't he's unbelievable you he's can't unbelievable you cannot knock him hockey. off the puck i love hockey that you know what my love for hockey in the playoffs just starts growing so deeply every like year. And I think, and I, you know, and I, I have to have some teams in New York for my kids. So I, I started, I, I root for the Rangers, I okay. root for the Knicks. <clears throat> anyway, I, I started watching that game and I go, you know, how come the, the Baltimore, I'm such a homer, but how come we never had a hockey team? I mean, we did when I was growing up, we had these minor leagues, we had the Skipjacks, right? We had the Bandits. And you know who the final coach of the Skipjacks was in 1992-93? Who's that? Barry Trotz. Oh, how about so that? The Skipjacks were fun. I used to go watch a lot of games. One year they were actually pretty good. I think it was 84, 85. They went to maybe they went to the finals. I can't remember, but usually they weren't that great. But it was fun to go. And I thought I started reading this amazing article. I think it was in Vice about how Baltimore almost had a hockey team. And that first expansion, that we were very close, and it was all about the stadium that sort of kept it up. And I think L.A. maybe got it or something. No, no, it was like Pittsburgh and that squad. Then we lost the second round a few years later in the 70s when they expanded again. And it was just this whole article about how close we were, and now it'll never happen because of Washington. But it bums me out because I love hockey. There is nothing like playoff hockey to me. Nothing. Love it. It is intense, no doubt about it. Josh Charles, we own the city on HBO. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, before we do, Josh, um, so you were in Las Vegas. You announced <laughs> you announced the draft choice for the Baltimore Ravens. Where were you when Ed Marinaro was going uh, over his life story, <laughs> opened residency in Las Vegas for the Vikings? Where were you when that happened that night? I was backstage talking to Taron Killam and um, – <clears throat> And, um, and, uh, oh God, oh my God, I'm, I'm drawing a mental blank right now. Um, the commissioner? <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, well, I was talking to the commissioner. I was talking to, to Taryn, and, um, and we were just shooting the, shooting the crap backstage. I missed the whole thing. I missed the whole thing. And, um, I kind of, I was like, oh, De- uh, Derek Waters. I'm sorry. My, my friend yeah. Derek Waters of Drunk History. The two of them were together, and yeah. they're both friends. And, we were all just sort of rapping, so I missed it. I saw him talking, and then he was backstage, and I had no idea until I got home later. But I will tell you this very funny story that I, I told to a local uh, sports show in Baltimore, but okay. I didn't say who, who pulled the trick on me. Yes. But I feel like since it's your show, we can do this now. Okay. So backstage, before I get on, um, I'm excited about it. You know, I'm, you know how big of a Ravens fan I am. It was yeah. a chance for me and Sophie, my wife, who you hung out with. We got to just go and be away from the kids for two days. And I get out there, and the one thing I'm nervous about as an actress, I'm like, don't give me one of these freaking crazy names, and I've got like 10 seconds to memorize this because I'm going to make a giant ass out of myself, and I can't do that. So I, I, I go in, I say, you know, I want to say hi, you want to say hi to the commissioner? I was like, yeah. So I go in, I met Mr. Goodell before uh, in Baltimore once, and 
and I'm talking to him, and I say, hey, I'm a little nervous just about that I might get this name, you know, that I might get one of these weird names from, like, you know, Nigeria. I don't know. Like, I'm just scared, and I, I don't have a lot of time. He's like, well, they'd probably have your pick already. And he comes out, and he goes to the table around the back of his little tent, and he's like, you got uh, the pick now for the Ravens? Just hand it to me him in the car. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess it makes sense to have it all in advance. And he, he <laughs> hands me the card, and <laughs> it's this name that I – Literally, like, my heart dropped. I go, I looked at it, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. This is like, I, there's no way I know how to say this name. And I'm just, my heart's beating, and I'm about to go on stage, and I just look up, and they're all just bust out laughing. It was a total practical joke. On <laughs> <laughs> how many syllables was the name, uh, uh, the fake name it on the card like, that Goodell handed it you? Like, let's just say, like, Femi I.M. Bendejo was nothing on whatever he handed me. It was like, <laughs> I would have failed this so bad and it would have been like i mean i would have saved marinara because it probably would have been like god did you see that one actor up there (laughs) that poor kid's name but they just had a good laugh at my expense and it was really funny actually it it loosened me up and then i actually got the card and i was like travis jones i can look at that that's That's right and by the way and 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 then of course you know once you're out of the crucible of being uh on the spot to name this you're probably going back like you know that there's no predetermination of draft choices like he like he doesn't have a card ready of your of the name you know like that's it, it he totally pulled your leg that's no, fantastic but, but no but they do it's a backstage maybe maybe you're right but it seemed like backstage. no it's it, they're all templates they have cards it's the baltimore even select and then there's a fill in the blank for the number and then the fill in the blank for the name that's it they have the no, same. No, I know. I'm saying, but but I, it seemed to me plausible they're coming from somewhere. Right. So since we were just about to go on stage, uh, there's everybody by the side of his tent, and they got all the cards. Right. He, he gets one. Why would I think that that? Okay, the pick just came in. Everything's a little ahead of time back there. I was like, all right, I, I guess it's possible. Anyway, he got me. It was oh, he got gotcha. you. It was a good laugh. Fantastic. All right, Josh Charles, we own this city. Um, was was that? Uh, you know, hey, we want to do it. You want to do show? You're playing a bad cop. Um, in a David Simon show about Baltimore on HBO. They probably had you at hello on that front, Josh? Pretty much. I mean, I knew the story pretty well. I mean, Justin Fenton, uh, who's the crime reporter for The Sun now, he's at the Baltimore Banner. Uh, so I had followed his reporting. Justin, big Oriole fan, by the way. I had followed his reporting. Um, you know, I follow him on Twitter and actually befriended him during the Freddie Gray um, uprising in Baltimore. And uh, him and I, you know, struck up a friendship because I said, man, what a hard job you're doing every day. I'm just reading your articles. So when I started reading these stories, I was like, this is definitely a film. This is definitely a TV show. So, you know, who better to make it than, than David George? I mean, just they know the world so well. So I knew I knew it pretty intimately. And I and I, I was very excited to be a part of it. It's, it's not a very pleasant story, obviously. Uh, you know, there's a lot of great things about Baltimore. This is not one of them. But it's an important story. And I was telling it with really great people. And so, yeah, to be a part of it was something I was I was really excited about. I mean, in terms of being a bad cop, I mean, it's not a show just about bad cops. Right. Obviously, there's good cops that are getting the bad cops. There's DOJ investigators. There's, you know, the feds. There's all these there's, – there's good cops that are doing the right thing, you know. And then there's these group of guys. So the majority of the guys – I mean, all the guys in the Gun Trace Task Force are in prison right now. So they're all pretty much technically, quote, unquote, bad cops. But, you know, when you're playing the guy, you got to jump into it, you know, and someone who's bad doesn't always look at themselves that way, right? So you have to get into their shoes, and the guy I played is actually from Baltimore proper. He's the one member of the task force who's from Highlandtown, you know, which if you know Baltimore, it's like that's real, real right in the city, 
Baltimore. So that for me, being from the, from the, from the city, knowing that area, you know, I felt a real sense of responsibility of just making sure I nailed the guy's tone, his voice, and just the way he, he was. And, you know, tried my hardest to do that. And because as I told people, I, I think I was talking to a critic or something in, a, in an interview recently, and I said, no offense to you. I was like, but you're the last person I cared about. It's really like my cousin. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, sure. He's gonna, you know, these are the people that I, I need to be like, yeah, all right, he did it right. So that was that was for part of my job, and I tried to take it as seriously as I could. And we had John Bernthal on, I think, last month, two months ago. He's phenomenal. That guy's amazing. He's great. He's a great actor. Good guy. You know, he's a real athlete, so he brings that he brings that mentality to work. You know, Johnny's boxer and baseball player, and you know, he's just he, he's got he's got like real athletic um, point of view, and that's just that's how he comes. He comes to work that way, and he's got that kind of level of you know just intensity and passion. He's very he's very um, very committed actor, and he's not from Baltimore, but he is from you know DC area, so he knows the area well. And he's uh, it was a lot of fun working with him and the other guys, Daryl and Kinley and, and Jamie. Uh, I didn't have as much to do with Jamie, but just getting to hang out with those guys. Um, it was a it was a special special experience to be home. Certainly, we own this city tonight. A new episode at nine Eastern on HBO and HBO Max. The finale's next Monday. Um, Josh, you are the man. It was great seeing you in Vegas. Uh, by the way, great if if there's you, anybody that needs to capture uh, fo- uh, that, I need to capture footage of the Blue Man Group as they join me on the set um, in the middle <laughs> of a. 19-hour broadcast. You're that guy. Honestly, fantastic. There it is. We're showing it right here. Well done. You got the whole thing. You got it. The amazing thing was Vegas was such a blur, Rich. I went to go send that to you and Pete again, and I realized, oh, I already sent it to you guys. I was like, I already had it. I was like, I went to click it. And I was like, oh, no, they have it. I did this already. You did. I got that nice that nice close-up of the guy when he came to my camera. He's like, you could tell. He was just like, am I on camera? Am I not on camera? Am I still performing here? Or is this guy, can I Can I give this guy a wink? <laughs> um. <laughs> By the way, as you were saying that, that's exactly the part of the video that came. It's like you were looking yeah, at it. He looked at well me and he was like, wait a second. I kind of know you, but I got to still commit to this because there's other cameras on me. <laughs> I don't know. It was it's fun. Blessed. I'll tell you what, watching you do your thing, um, it's fun. You guys were so so cool, and Charles and Daniel and Pete, just great people. That's because I, I tell you what, I, people ask me how was the Huskers draft. Like I think the draft can be kind of boring as a fan, honestly. I mean, the Ravens it was exciting. The fourth round, we had the six picks, but by and large, just sitting around and just watching you guys just do it and nonstop and just endless, endless, and have to have all that information at your fingertips and stay smooth and stay connected. Uh, very impressive. Always impressive with your impressed with your work, my man. You too, and, buddy. Uh, always good to see you. Hopefully, I'll see you tomorrow night. Yes, sir. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, well, I'll I'll text you when we're finally out of the Emmys, and if you're around, uh, join our our post Emmy. Uh... By the way, Mazel Tov. That's fantastic. Thank you, sir. Well Appreciate deserved. that. Thanks. And uh, I'm so happy for you, Rich. Always good to talk to you. Same all right, here. Chris. I'm sorry. You know, no hard feelings. Josh, it's all good. Yeah, Susie's right. already in town and definitely wants to see you. So uh, let's awesome. let's do it. Much yeah, man. Love. Hope to see right, you later tomorrow. Thank you. There you go. That's Josh Charles, everybody. Love that guy. Yeah, known him for before, a very Rich, long yeah. time. He's been coming on since the shower curtain days. Oh yeah, of our podcast. Yeah, Josh and this show goes way back. Well, uh, let's take a break. We'll come back and uh, let's talk about our our uh, night tomorrow night. And, and visualize and talk about it as we head off to Los Angeles International Airport. All of us with our checked baggage or <laughs> not. 
Carry on. Carry on. Carry All on. right. Carry the, on my wayward son. I feel like I'm Kendrick Perkins. Carry the hell on. <laughs> Callaway didn't just create their longest irons ever with the new Rogue ST. They made their longest irons ever perform at the highest level for every player. There's four different versions of the Rogue ST irons, four different offerings, each model using AI on a high strength 450 stills is the only irons ever to do so bottom line is there's definitely an iron for you and your type of game if you want the best combination of speed forgiveness and all-around performance and who doesn't that's the rogue st max it's for the widest range of players if you're low to mid single digit handicapper the rogue st pro is there for you the max os is Callaway's best game improvement model there's also max os light their most forgiving high launch iron it comes with wider soles and increased lofts and a highly uh, lightweight package for players with slower swing speeds look no other irons perform like the new rogue st irons so go find your rogue st iron that's perfect for you at callawaygolf.com slash go rogue okay so once we're done here we're heading to the airport and it's all of us when i say all of us it's every last person that's working on this program correct there's not a a single soul that puts their fingerprints on this program that's not going to be at the sports Emmys tomorrow right. night. Mike and Ashley are already in New York. Okay. And everybody else, we're all going uh, on the same plane to New York um, later on today. And I love it. I love it. For many different reasons. TJ, you've mentioned over and over again the, the phrase that's kind of worn out for so many different award shows and people who are nominated that it's just an honor to be nominated. Mm-hmm. And then you keep saying that that is the truth for us. Yeah. And it is 100% the truth for us. Would we like to win for best studio show daily? Of course, yeah. we're up against some pretty, you know, lofty stout competition, including the show that precedes us and Dan and my old show sports center. Yeah, Good a, morning, it's football. It's a heavyweight category. Pardon the interruption, which wins every year, pretty much. Um, and um, the last uh, show escapes me, and NASCAR. I apologize. So, the, the, oh, pardon the, the, me. The NASCAR show. Okay, yeah, yeah. NASCAR show. NASCAR um, race hub as well. And, and everybody together, you know, we're all thrilled to be nominated. In our particular situation, I can only speak about us. Tell them, Rich. <laughs> tell I'm them. Gonna, I'm going to just straight up tell this story here. Please do. Because we're all very proud of it. Two days before Christmas, two days before Christmas in 2019, I got a phone call from um, the highest ranking executive that was in charge of our show on the audience network at DirecTV to say that we were done. Two days before Christmas, mm-hmm. we were through. This show and Dan's show, the audience network was being shuttered, and that was it. They were out of the Rich Eisen show business. And we were told, you know, it could happen sometime in late February, the exact date, and then the radio stations that we were affiliated with, uh, they could be assigned to me personally. But then I would be on the hook for providing a radio show that I did not know how it would exist if there's no, you know, producer of the show. There's no financial backing of the program. I, honestly, I, I my head was spinning. I was in LAX going to meet Susie and the kids where they had already gone um, ahead of me for the Christmas vacation. My head was spinning. 
I called you. I finally got you on a train in Europe. You were with Sarah, who was pregnant with Cage at the time. Yeah, we were on our baby moon. The day after Christmas, we were on a train to Belgium. And I finally reached you yeah. <laughs> to say, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm not giving up. Told the same thing to you. Mm-hmm. Told the same thing to everybody. I have no idea how this is going to work, but we're going we're gonna to do our best to make it work. And then whatever plans that we were beginning to lay the tracks for to, to, to find a new home for the show, poof, went out the window when COVID-19 shuttered us all in the following spring. But all of you here on this program and our audience, I want to include you in this too, because you've been nominated as far as I'm concerned. You all didn't jump ship. We came here, we were on a, a YouTube-only show for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, NBC Sports Net, the, the folks at NBCSN, we, we had a dialogue. They put us on the air for the spring. You all stuck with it. And then Peacock said, you can have a new home with us. And then Westwood One Radio leapt in on the audio side of things. And I started to cobble together enough partners for a show that I now own, not just in air quotes. I guess I shouldn't even use air quotes. Yeah, yeah, actually I mean, it. <laughs> it, it, I formed a production company for this. And then we kept plugging away. Every day coming to work. Every day, man. Putting a new fresh coat of paint on this show. Every day. Grinding. Every day doing our best. And then we got a call or I got a text that day and um, six weeks ago that we were nominated. (laughs) We were now a nominated television show and we were dead right before Christmas in 2019. And here we are now in 2022, an Emmy nominated show and you're damn straight. It is an honor to just be nominated. Damn straight. Would we like to come home with the trophy? Of course, we all would. But the fact that our peers see this program, know about this program, consume this program, because it is like Silence of the Lambs, for the lack of a better phrase. You covet what you see every day. Sure, our reel, that's the way it works. You put together an Emmy reel from moments about from your show in the previous year, and it's 20 minutes long, and they vote on it. And those who get the most points get nominated. And whoever gets the most points in the nomination gets the award on Tuesday night in New York City. So our fate is technically sealed, or uh, I, I should put it a different way. Our outcome is sealed. Or decided. It has been decided. We don't know. But we are definitely going to New York to find out as a team. Yeah. All of us together. Eleven. Strong. 11 people put this on. We're going to do it. We're going to New York to celebrate our existence, our persistence, and thanks to you out there who consume this program on Peacock and whichever audio outlet you choose, your fandom, which we never will take for granted. So yes, it is an honor to be nominated, and we are thrilled so we're off the air on Tuesday and Wednesday on, uh, on Peacock. We're back Thursday, potentially, with some hardware. Two of but them. But if not, 
We are thrilled to be here, and we will be back on Thursday.